Have you tried out Book Riot Insiders? If not, your time is now. It's our resource specially designed for our fellow book nerds, and you can try it for free for two weeks. There are different levels available, so you can decide which perks you want from a monthly behind-the-scenes newsletter to exclusive podcasts and giveaways. And speaking of perks, we've got a new release index curated by resident Velosa reader Liberty Hardy, so you can see the most exciting new books coming in the next few months. Check it out and sign up for your 14-day free trial at insiders.bookriot.com. And welcome to episode 11 of Kidlit These Days, a Book Riot podcast. Kidlit These Days is your Kidlit connoisseurs pairing the best of children's literature with what's going on in the world today. I'm Karina Yen Glazer alongside Matthew Winner, and we are here to have conversations that create opportunities for parents, grandparents, teachers, librarians, and all who love children's books to engage in the world through literature in a deeper and broader way. We are recording on August 4th, 2019. Hello, Matthew. Hi, Karina. I was so happy to hear your last episode with Tirza. <laughs> we couldn't help but talk about you. It's so fun to talk about audiobooks, and it just so happens that you have really outstanding audiobooks for your novels. So, yeah, that was easy. And we got a lot of cool <laughs> feedback online from other people that listen to audiobooks. I was really pleased by that. It was a really cool episode, and um, yeah, I loved hearing what you had to say about them, and Tears That Was So Fun to listen to, and yeah, it was awesome. Karina, you listen to audiobooks, and I know this because you've been sort of on reading rest, and yes. you've been listening to audio, but you've been listening to some of the stuff that I've recently listened to as well. What have you, can you share with people, what have you been listening to on audio? Okay, so I have been listening to the Indigenous Persons History of the United States, and that has recently been made into a Young Readers Edition. And have you read the Young Readers Edition? I haven't. I have the Young Readers Edition that uh-huh. Debbie Reese helped to, to adapt. Right. Uh-huh. Um, and um, I'm, I listened to the audio, or rather, I think I have two hours left on the audio, because it's about, the original book is about 10 hours long that Roxanne Dunbar-Ortiz Dun- wrote. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm about eight hours in, and I'm fascinated and moved, and yes. um, I'm, I'm really grateful for the education that that book has given me. Yes. Uh, I'm looking forward to, to seeing the way that it was adapted for young readers, mm-hmm. and I'm hoping um, that we have an opportunity to talk to uh, Dr. Debbie Reese about it in the future as well. Yes, I would love that. And I bought the Young Readers Edition so my kids could read it because after I finished listening to the audiobook of the adult version, I was like, I have to talk to someone about this. There's just so <laughs> much information and um, so much that um, sadly I've never really thought about very much because. I'm sure you grew up learning history in a certain way, the same way I did, um, you know, in elementary school and middle school, and um, just not really being exposed to um, the the whole history that happened before colonization, or just getting, you know, such a brief uh, sort of spotlight on that and then going right into 
um, colonization and the Revolutionary War and Civil War, and it has really opened my eyes, and I was really grateful um, to have time to listen to that book and really think more about that history. And, yeah, it's, it's pretty brutal to listen to. It's striking the way that the... Uh, yeah, the the two perspectives. When you realize what our colonial perspective is, and to hear um, the indigenous perspective through history, and just see the way that one just steamrolled over the other, um, is awful and convicting. And and as you said, that book is really really dense. So I listened to it slowly. I really tried to take it all in. Mm-hmm. And I think, as you're saying, that having conversations with um, with and around that book are going to be really helpful. I actually listened to that um, shortly after listening to the audiobook of White Fragility, and mm. I found that um, being a good pairing. Okay, I have to yeah. look that book up. My husband is now listening to it because <laughs> I was like, you have to listen to this because oh, we really need to discuss it. And I've also been talking to a lot of my friends on the phone. So usually I'm a texter, but because I'm on iRest, I have been needing to call people if I want to have any interaction (laughs) with anyone. So I have been talking to a lot of people that I would normally text, and we've been talking about that book. And it's been really good to have those conversations. And I look forward to my husband finishing it so I can talk to him about it. Karina, yeah. before we get started, do you want to tell people briefly why you're on iRest? Oh, yeah. So this is like <laughs> the worst thing to happen to someone who loves to read. <laughs> um, yeah, I had an emergency eye issue, and so I was on iRest to prevent it from getting worse um, before I could have surgery. And then I had surgery last week, and and now it's just healing. So it's... Um, it's not pretty. Like, I look like I've been in a bar fight. <laughs> like, my eye is all red and swollen. Um, my friend Jake Burt, who wrote Greetings from Witness Protection, he also has another book called The Right Hook of Devin Velma. And on the cover is, like, two kids. And one kid has, like, a raging black eye and, like, it's puffy and red. And so I sort of feel like that kid <laughs> on the cover of that book. But, yeah, so... I have been trying to look on the bright side and <laughs> doing a lot of listening to audiobooks, which is great. And um, and yeah, and I am hopeful that things will clear up very soon. Well, good. Here's to a, a, a safe and smooth recovery. Thank you. Well, today I'm really excited to talk to you today and we also have a really special guest that we'll talk about later but we're going to be talking about um, imprints and publishers that are doing really exciting things in the kidlit world and um, these publishers are really looking at underrepresented voices in children's literature and looking to bring those voices out and to publish books that center around their stories. So we're going to talk about some of the imprints that have um, crossed our desks and then um, we'll also book talk some of the fabulous books that are coming out of those publishers and imprints. Right. You and I review a lot of books. You um, are are <laughs> a very active reader, and you also write the newsletter for 
for Book Riot. Um, I have a podcast, <laughs> a children's book podcast, as well mm-hmm. as just reading and reviewing. So you and I are reading a lot. And it was fun to bring up the idea of talking about imprints because I think you and I, um, like many reviewers, when you find an imprint that you really love that has a, a very distinct voice, you end up wanting to to read and read more from that imprint, and also you you become a fan and advocate for that imprint. So I'm glad that we're highlighting uh, five specific imprints today, and I'll, I'll make sure that we make mention of, of a number of others for folks to uh, look into, and we'll put links in the show notes at bookriot.com slash listen and find uh, episode 11 of Kidlet these days for everyone to access that. But why don't I jump in? I'll share two. Um, and then, um, I want to hear another one from you, um, before I just <laughs> go through all of the ones I've been uh, coming up with, <laughs> yes. but our book talking is going to be really fun because these, these imprints, again, I know how much they mean to you and I, I had a very hard time not mentioning 30 books from, <laughs> from, from these, uh, publishers today. Um, so this will be great. I want to start with, um, Imagination Press. So Imagination Press is the children's book imprint of the American Psychological Association, APA, um, which is a scientific and professional organization representing psychology in the United States and around the world. Uh, I know a lot of people are aware of the APA, (laughs) maybe because you had to write a paper in college using their APA style, but I don't know that many people are aware of their imprint, and they've been making a lot of really beautiful books. Most of their books are written by mental health professionals, or those who work closely with children and teens. And recently, I've, I've taken notice to the books that they're writing that are LGBTQ-centered or that are uh, gender and identity-centered. So the books I'll share later on have that focus. I think they're really doing something strong uh, in that focus. And um, I want to also mention Lee and Lowe, which when we talk about diversity-focused publishers, this is the one that comes up, I think, most often. And that's a really good thing that the name Lee and Lowe is on the minds and on the tongues of a lot of, of readers. Uh, their slogan is, About Everyone, For Everyone. And Lee and Lowe Books is the largest multicultural children's book publisher in the United States. They um, hold themselves as, as our diversity source for readers. Uh, and they, uh, I think, run the gamut of, of, of books focused on own voices, on um, historical figures that may have been overlooked um, in our childhoods that, that, that perhaps, like we were saying before, if we had a very colonized, white-centered uh, education, Lee and Lo is helping to disrupt that. Um, there are a, a good number of books that I think you and I could rattle off right now that we adore from Lee and Lowe, and it's really wonderful to see their books getting national recognition and uh, to have that publisher supported so that they can keep making more and more and more books. Do you yeah, want to share I, one? Yeah, sure. Um, and one thing about Lee and Lowe is okay. I feel like they're so, like, they were their focus has always been so clear and I feel like they were really great at just pushing publishing to really recognize these underrepresented voices in a very, um, in a very strong way. And so I, I really appreciate what they've done and I can't imagine it was easy for them to get that support in the beginning. And I'm really grateful for all that hard work that they've done to, 
lift up marginalized voices. Um, Karina, another, they are, oh. before we leave Lee and Lowe, sorry yeah, to step yeah, on your Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Before we leave Lee and Lowe, they are the only publisher that I look to for their outstanding resources for teachers. They yes. are, they what they are doing, the model that they are doing, other publishers should follow suit. They have a robust blog that they contribute to as well as they, they have um, educators contribute to of teaching strategies, uh, of um, ways to incorporate different books, not just Lee and Lowe books. Um, they are working to, to train and to help teachers and to make classrooms better. It's, as you were saying about their voice as a publisher, it's very, very clear their mission is to not just publish these beautiful books, but to help them be used and valued in classrooms. Mm-hmm. And again, that's something that, that I don't see coming out of a lot of publishers, maybe because they other publishers don't have the resources or just don't have that focus. Uh, Lee and Lowe for years has had that focus. Um, and so I think that it's important that we as educators continue to use and share their resources so that we can communicate how we value those resources back to the publisher. Yep, and we'll link to their website in the show notes. So those of you who are interested in taking a look at their resources, you'll have easy access to them. So there have been a couple of new imprints, and one of them is Houghton Mifflin Harcourt's Versify. Now, this is a new imprint that's curated by Kwame Alexander. Kwame Alexander is an award-winning Newbery, award-winning author, that published the crossover, um, or who wrote the crossover, and a whole host of picture books and other middle grade books. And what he's trying to do is really make books that are accessible and also build in sort of this powerful prose and poetry that he's known for in his books. And he is looking um, to publish picture books, novels, nonfiction, and he wants really to celebrate the lives and re- reflect the possibilities of all children. And they came out with their first slate of books. I think it was in the spring, so they were brand new publish, like a brand new imprint. And I've been really pleased with what they've come out with. They've had some really cool books that have come out and I'll be book talking a couple of them later on in this episode but I've been really pleased to see that imprint come to life and I look forward to seeing all of what they have in store for us in the future yeah I think as of recording they have four books published and it's hard not to talk about every single one of them yeah they're, they're all they're, excellent they're really that strong mm-hmm. so yeah um, let me get to some other um, small publishers or imprints and then we'll uh, get to our guest. I want to highlight Highwater Press. Uh, Highwater Press is out of Canada, and they publish books that portray a wide-ranging expression of Indigenous people's culture and experiences, including high-quality fiction and nonfiction. Their current catalog is a rich mix of novels, graphic novels, memoirs, and children's books, and their acclaimed list features established authors as well as emerging new voices. The books are vibrant and thought-provoking, and these books challenge and engage. And um, the the, the books I brought to share from them later, I think, will be good examples of that. Um, I was made aware through a number of other... Well, we brought up Dr. Debbie Reese. I should just directly credit her, as well as others, that, um, that... 
Canada is is sort of leading the way with indigenous stories. Um, and part of it is because of um, some governmental acts passed that fund more books public uh, and more arts published focusing on um, indigenous history and indigenous voices. We are not there in America yet. Hopefully we will get there. Um, there, there are a very limited number of, of books focusing on indigenous voices um, published in America, but um, we have great resources um, from our friends in the North and um, we can support across the board. Um, I also want to highlight other uh, imprints and publishers that, that some of our podcast friends on Facebook mentioned when, when I reached out for Kidlet these days. We heard um, mentions of Salam Reads, of Barat Babies, Inhabit Media, Penny Candy Books, Groundwood Books, Carben Publishing, Cinco Puntos, Just Us Books, Pomelo. There are small imprints that are working to uh, lift up own voices, to lift up different experiences, um, and often they're just a Google search away. So being aware of those imprints, um, when you walk into your public library or bookstore, if you are aware of the names of those imprints, then you can more easily find these books and support the missions of these small publishers that often publish maybe three, four books a year. They, they often don't have a wide uh, list of books that they publish, but the books that they do publish, they try to make every one count. I wanted to highlight one more thing, one more resource for those that are looking for books. Um, there's a company called Publisher Spotlight. Helen Murick runs. Um, they call themselves the Affordable and Effective Conference Marketing Alternative because they uh, run booths at national conferences where these small publishers can come in and, and join alongside other small publishers to be represented on the floor of uh, a conference, the exhibit hall of a conference. It's very, very expensive to have representation there on the floor. And what Publisher Spotlight is doing is is offering that representation to 10, 12, 13 different small presses from around the world. Um, and and any reader can access their website to see uh, what what publishers they're working with right now to find direct links to those, to find the mission statements of the publishers. Um, and if you are uh, an author and you're looking for a home for your book, this is also a really great way to find all of those uh, resources in one place. So I want to make sure that we we uh, pointed to that before we go further. Great. And now we're so excited to introduce our guest for today. Namrata Tripathi is vice president and publisher of Kokula, a new imprint at Penguin Young Readers dedicated to centering stories from the margins. She was born in the USSR and lived in Afghanistan, India, Canada, Pakistan, Germany, and Poland before moving to New York in 1997. Prior to launching Kokula, Tripathi edited many critically acclaimed, award-winning, and best-selling books, including Islandborn, for which illustrator Leo Espinosa received a Pura Belpre honor, John Corey Whaley's Prince Award-winning debut, Where Things Come Back, and Vera Hiranandani's The Night Diary, a 2019 Newbery Honor winner. A founding member of the CBC Diversity Committee, Tripathi was the co-chair of the Diversity Hiring Committee at Penguin Young Readers and currently serves as a mentor in the Representation Matters Mentorship Program. 
Kokila brings together an inclusive community of authors and illustrators, publishing professionals and readers to examine and celebrate stories that reflect the richness of our world. By centering stories from the margins and making space for storytellers to explore the full range of their experiences, they deliver books that inspire and entertain readers and add nuance and depth to the way children and young adults see the world and their place in it. Please enjoy our interview with Namrata. Namrata, thank you so much for joining us today on the Kill It These Days podcast. We're so excited to have you. I was very curious about how the idea of Kokila came about. Um, had you been thinking about it for a while? Was it something that had um, you've been thinking about and talking about with your colleagues? Tell us a little bit about the origin of it. Yeah. Um, so Kokila, in some form or, or another, was probably in my mind for a long time, which I didn't totally acknowledge until my husband joked and said, you know, you've been talking about this for 17 years. I don't know why you pretend it's a new idea. But um, I think um, I think there was something that I sort of thought like one day when I'm a grown up in publishing, whatever that means, that I would like um, – would love to build a team where it would be like the A team and you could just bring together the most creative, interesting, dynamic editors and art directors and, and, and then authors and illustrators who would all just challenge each other to do their best work. And that was just sort of a thing that was in my mind to be like, one day you just want to build this group that pushes each other. With Kokila itself, I think um, at this stage in my career, I've been, I've been editing children's books uh, just about 18 years now. And um, I, I've, you know, over the last, well, for, it's been happening for decades, but definitely in the last five or seven years has been a much more robust conversation around representation in children's literature. And that was something that, you know, like all of us have been, have been fairly involved in and felt like, um, how could I contribute more meaningfully to this dialogue that's happening about better representation? And it sort of aligned with this moment in my career where opportunities were coming up for me to take that next big step and maybe become publisher someplace. And I realized that maybe it didn't make as much sense for me to go somewhere and fulfill a vision that already existed, but instead try to really articulate what my vision would be for the kind of publishing that I want to do. And so somewhere in there is kind of where Kokila emerged. Um, and like, you know, if I... Uh, if I answer kind of personally, that's personal and professional, sort of the, the sort of emotional impetus behind the imprint, I think, you know, I usually say that it, it came from a place of um, equal optimism and rage because that's kind of uh, my um, standard sort of operating setting. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And is there significance behind the Kokila name is, yes. is that okay tell us about that there is so it was really hard figuring out what to name the imprint but um I I first tried to do this thing where I was like let me think of something that feels quote-unquote universal and I was thinking about like mathematical ideas and scientific ideas which is so um which was so wrong-headed of me because what is what is universality, first of all? And why was I also, I think what I was trying to do in some ways is not have a name that was too South Asian. And I'm from, I'm, you know, from India and, mm -hmm. and I felt like I was really sort of suppressing my own identity in the process, which is a little bit wild because I was starting an imprint. But, um, 
And so then I started thinking about, okay, you know, what's a name that would work within the penguin family? And of course, at Penguin Young Readers, we have a lot of imprints that have bird names. So there's like Penguin and Puffin mm-hmm. and Razorbill and Philomel. And so it's like a theme that kind of works. I thought, what are birds from my part of the world that might be part of our literary um, uh, traditions that would have a significance that would make sense? And the coil bird, which is the Indian cuckoo bird, is often... Um, uh, a part of like Indian poetry because it's it, it, it sings before the monsoons begin. Mm-hmm. And so in that way, it's considered kind of like a harbinger of new beginnings. And so I loved that concept. And, the, and Kokila is the Sanskrit name for coil. And I also loved having a Sanskrit name because, um, as you know, like Sanskrit has influenced so many languages and so many cultures all over the world. And mm-hmm. so in that way, I felt like it would be a reminder for us on our team every, every time we saw our colophon that what we're really trying to engage in is sort of linguistic and idea exchange. So that's the significance behind Kokila. Okay. I I love the name and I uh, think that the logo is just so cute. Thank you. <laughs> like yeah, thought, yeah. Designed by our art director, Jasmine Rubero. She did an awesome job. Yeah. It's so beautiful. I love it. Um, so I had another question. So when you were thinking about this imprint, was there, um, were you thinking also or debating among yourself about whether to just build this into the general penguin list, like building, cause I know penguin has already been so committed to diversity and have mm-hmm. published a lot of diverse, um, authors and illustrators. Was there a reason why you, wanted a specific imprint rather than building it into the general list at Penguin? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I mean, I think, you know, before I came, before Kokila uh, was, um, you know, in existence, I, I, I did do a lot of, you know, similar kinds of books. Not My taste hasn't changed all that much, right? Mm-hmm. Um, at, other, at other imprints before this, I was at Dial and before that, Athenaeum. And, um and so, and, and there's so many great editors who do wonderful, um, you know, have wonderful diverse lists uh, at many houses within many imprints. And I think that's super important um, and should continue. For me, I think one of the appealing things about getting to start fresh with a new imprint was, one, it meant that I'd have to be very deliberate in articulating and defining what my vision would be for for the work we would do and that kind of forced a really um it forced me to have sort of a vigorous conversation with myself and the team that we that I was building and mm-hmm. so it it kind of it was a great way of not um I hope allowing us to sort of default to um, pre-existing settings. You know what I mean? Yeah. So part of it was about like having to define and be very intentional in the decisions we make. So that, that was one thing that was really appealing. Um, another thing that I think is, um, was very much a part of my thinking and, and well, you know, only time will tell if this, if this plays out, this is all such a, you know, an experiment sort of in progress, um, is that I felt like with, Establishing Kokila, especially also because it's not like Namrata Tripathi books, right? It's like there's an imprint that is dedicated to a particular vision and mission. And if we can really um, uh, articulate and establish that mission, then that can continue on and it becomes sort of part of the institution regardless of who is there. And that's Mm -hmm. part of my hope is that 
you know, if we have a good long life as an imprint and I'm no longer here to run it because everyone's tired of my voice or whatever the hell it is, there is an opportunity that this sort of work is built into the foundational beliefs of Penguin Young readers Mm -hmm. and can continue on with, uh, under other leadership too. And I think that's exciting because, um, Sometimes what happens is if there's a, a great editor who does really diverse books at a certain imprint and then they leave, mm-hmm. that part of the sensibility of the imprint sort of dries up, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And and this work is so much bigger than each of us individually that I was really attracted to the idea of making something that had a little more weight and permanence and size beyond each of our individual parts. Mm-hmm. Great. I love that. Um, and... What about longer term goals? Like, where do you see this imprint going in five or 10 or 20 years? One of the big long term goals, I guess, that I hope for is that we do enough books that are um, meaningful in sort of a bigger public dialogue, you know, where, where people are talking about the books, they're um, they're becoming the part of, of parts of like the libraries of a lot of kids. It's, it's somehow um, maybe becoming a part of sort of our cultural conversation in a way that we get to kind of punch above our weight a little bit. We're a small team, but I think that if we do strong enough work, maybe we could be a little corner of the publishing industry where people will say, oh, here's a really um, intentional model for how to um, publish diverse literature and um, it might it might be a part of a conversation that inspires a lot of folks to also push their own visions and ways. And I think we're all always in dialogue with each other. And I hope that like we can be part of maybe, um, I don't know, adding some like some positive pressure to not just our imprint or our house, but our whole industry. That's that's pretty lofty, but I, I think I have it in the back of my mind. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, um, let's talk a little bit about books. I know you edited the Newberry Honor book, The Night Diary by Vera Hiranidani. Um, I just love that book. I was so excited when it won. And I know that the paperback was recently issued under the Kokila imprint. And Mm -hmm. I've also seen that you've had some picture books come out. And I just feel like the whole imprint, um, it was so beautifully done the way that um, it sort of got launched. I know that for me, I received this beautiful box (laughs) and it was, (laughs) it was amazing. And there was all the books in there and there was a lot of great information and there was like a little zippered pouch. (laughs) I feel like it was just very well done. I feel like also the, as I said before, the logo is so striking and it um, really draws your eye to it. And it's, instantly recognizable. And I thought maybe you could talk about some of the books um, that you've been really excited about, maybe like one or two of the books that have recently come out, or maybe something that's about to come out, which, uh, whatever you want. Sure. Um, oh yeah. my gosh, there's, I mean, I'm, we have, you know, we have a pretty tight list so far. And so one of the things I love is that every single book on the list is something that I'm pretty nuts about, you know, and that's been really fun because um, it just makes working on the books just a, you know, sing, just a, only a joy. <laughs> so that's mm-hmm. been amazing. 
um, with books that are coming out. Maybe I'll give you some sneak peeks and some things that are out now. Um, If there's, if you're looking for something for like a picture book to share with a bunch of readers, um, I, uh, I'd love for readers to know about my, my papi has a motorcycle by Isabel Quintero and illustrated by Zeke Pena. Um, it tells a story of a girl going on a ride in her neighborhood with her dad at the end of his work day on the back of his motorcycle. And it's kind of a slice of life moment, mm-hmm. but really it's about riding around this immigrant neighborhood and seeing how immigrants have built this, so many American cities, how gentrification is a part of the lives of so many kids and what that means as you recognize that like everything is changing around you and you're just, you know, you're so young and you, you don't know that that's going to happen. Um, and you kind of get that first moment of understanding impermanence. Mm-hmm. Um, but really at the end of the day, you know, she and her puppy get home and they realize like, well, tomorrow they're going to ride again. And the one constant she does have in her life is the love of her father and of her family. And it's just, it's, Isabel writes all of these layers so beautifully and the art is so cool. Zeke is a comics artist. Mm-hmm. So I just feel like there's a lot of different things at once. And that's really one of the things we hope for in all of the Coquila books is that they have and that they work on multiple layers. And I think this one really, really does. So that's something I'm really excited about. Yeah. I really um, love that. Um, I really love the colors in that book. It really yeah. gives a sense of place and sort of uh, just like the atmosphere feels very beautiful when you read it. And I also love that yeah. it was um, a daughter and her father. And I noticed that you mm-hmm. um, had another book in the imprint, Hair Love, that is also yes. about a daughter and her father. And I just love those stories. I feel like there's not enough of them. And I was really glad to see those on your list. In fact, our um, there's a middle grade on our debut list too that's coming out in um, August called... Um, uh, Each Tiny Spark by Pablo Cartaya. And that is, in fact, also a father and daughter story. And and Joanna and I were, Joanna Cardenas, who's uh, the editor at Coquila, and I were kind of laughing about how our first list was real heavy on fathers and daughters. I don't know what both of us were thinking about. <laughs> in a place. Um, but this list has a lot of that. Um, but I think, you know, like family relationships are so, um, I don't know, they're like the, the kind of one of the first seeds of how kids learn Mm -hmm. how they're going to interact with the rest of the world so it kind of made sense that 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 relationship uh, made its way into a lot of our books yeah um do you want to talk um about one of the middle grade titles that's coming up yeah sure so so i told you a little bit about um each tiny spark which is the father daughter story um and that's coming this this august um about a Cuban-American family in Georgia and how a daughter and a father find their way back to each other when he comes back from deployment mm. and they bond through uh, through welding. Um, but I want to give you a sneak peek for a book that I'm super excited about that's coming um, a little bit later in the year by um, uh, Celia C. Perez. She did the book called um, The First Rule of Punk. Yes, and her I new book is book. coming out and it's called Strange Birds. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and Strange Birds, I'm so excited for it because it's um, – Celia just does like um, uh, girls coming into their power Mm -hmm. like nobody else. Like it's really fun and funny and young and kid appropriate, but also there's like this fight to her books, which I think is super cool. Mm -hmm. And this um, Strange Birds is kind of about a – about sort of a um, alternative – 
like scout troop. So they form their own sort of ragtag group. These four girls come together as they realize that the the troops that already exist in their you know small southern Florida town um, maybe have some. Uh, history and some practices that they don't really agree with. And so their activism sort of um, t- goes to a new level, sometimes with really mixed results as they try to push back in ways that are not entirely legal, but, you know, in a middle grade <laughs> way. Um, and it's just, it's like funny and it's about girls kind of finding themselves and then finding the power of sisterhood. And it's just like, it's awesome. She's so talented and I'm really excited for that book. And I think the cover is so sweet. Um Yes, cover, and that comes yeah, out right. September third. Oh my gosh! Yeah, you know you're asking me a pub date. And I, don't <laughs> have to my, and I feel terrible because I'm a bad publisher. No, I think it is. Um, I have it on my table. I think it's September third. But um, okay. well, we're very excited about that, and I'm so appreciative of your time. Thank you so much for coming on to talk about what you're doing. And Matthew and I are very excited about. Um, all the titles and we're just really happy that you're doing this. So thanks for being Thank on you the so podcast. Much. And Thank you for your support. Yes. And best of luck. Thank you. Well, we're back. Thank you, Namrata, for joining us. Thank you, Kokila, for publishing these beautiful uh, books. We're so glad to be able to have your recommendations and your books to talk about on the show, as well as others. Uh, this is our book talking segment. Remember, listeners, you don't need to write down the things we shared. Uh, we've done the work for you. Just go to bookriot.com slash listen and find episode 11 of Kidlit these days. We will have everything there for you. Karina, would you like to kick us off? I would love to. Okay, so my first book um, that I'd like to talk about is Hair Love, which I mentioned briefly in the interview with Namrata, but um, it's published by Kokula, and it's written by Matthew A. Cherry, illustrated by the amazing Vashti Harrison, who is the um, author-illustrator of Little Dreamers and Little Leaders, which I'm sure you've seen around. It's been (laughs) amazing books. Anyway, she has such a magical touch and this book is just adorable. It's about a girl and her father. And this girl is sort of like checking out her hair in the mirror and thinking about how her hair is such an expression of how she feels each day. And she wakes up and there's sort of this uh, feeling that she wants her hair to be a specific way. And she goes out and you get the idea that her mom is out of town, maybe on a trip or something, and her dad is exhausted probably from being in charge of the house and taking care of her. So she's like tiptoeing around him and she's looking up um, hairstyles that would fit the day. And her dad comes in and is like, can I help you with something? And she's like, yeah, I need some help with my hair. And he's like, yeah, no problem. And he starts doing things with her hair. There's a couple of different mishaps. And uh, he doesn't give up. And the dad is just completely adorable. Like, uh, he's, um, he's just so sweet. And he's just really sweet with her. And I just love seeing that dynamic between a daughter and her father because I just don't think we see that enough in children's publishing with um, people of color. I think that oftentimes um, maybe the dad is missing or 
there isn't like a close bond between the dad and the child. And in this one, it's just really precious and wonderful. And I love this book. I think that the words and the illustrations fit together perfectly. And I think it's a great, it has a great message and it's a great gift for young children. I love that book and Vashti's illustrations. And it reminds me of, um, have you ever seen, um, it was going around as, as like a meme or something that was circulating. Um, but those videos of, um, there was a video of an African-American dad um, looking into the mirror with his daughter. And apparently each morning they have this thing that they say to the um, to the mirror that the, the girl says an affirming message that is like, I am beautiful. I am smart. I'm going mm. to take this world by storm. Whatever it is, it's a yeah, yeah. beautiful, beautiful message. And it reminded me of coming from that emotional place, that relationship of a of a father and a daughter um, and <laughs> and and just that bond that's so sweet. Yeah. Love it. Um, okay, so the first book I want to share is Jacob's Room to Choose. It's written by Sarah Hoffman and Ian Hoffman. It's illustrated by Chris Case, and it's published by Imagination. It's the sequel to um, Jacob's New Dress. And in this story, uh, Jacob and friend Sophie um, have an issue in their classroom when um, Jacob goes to use the bathroom um, and isn't sure which one to go into or Sophie isn't sure which bathroom to go into and the classmates tease them because uh, Jacob likes to wear a dress to school and Sophie we might say likes to wear more um, male gendered clothing to school um, there's a, a, a fantastic portrayal of, of a teacher in this book Miss Reeves um, and Miss Reeves is actually based on the author's the author, uh, our husband and wife, Sarah and Ian, uh, it's based on uh, a teacher that, that their child had. Um, and Miss Reeves has this wonderful moment with, with her whole class speaking about um, how can we determine who is a boy and who is a girl just by what they look like. There's no one rule that says long hair means this or uh, wearing this clothes means that. Um, it's really about opening up space for gender gender neutral um, space for all children. Uh, it's about saving space for, for the individual. And it's so beautifully done that I feel like, uh, as such great books do, it, it helps lead the way through children, through questions, through, uh, an adult, um, who, who has that acceptance and love and tolerance for all children in her space. So that book is called Jacob's Room to Choose. All right, so my next pick is The Undefeated by Kwame Alexander, illustrated by Kadir Nelson. And I have to say that Kadir Nelson is like one of my all-time most favorite illustrators. I am just amazed by what he can do. He has incredible skills. And this is a poem that Kwame Alexander wrote back in 2008, right after the presidential election where Barack Obama became the first African-American president of the United States. And um, what he was, what Kwame Alexander in his um, author's note at the end of the book said was that he was both celebrating that election and also wanting to make sure that his children understood that it was also a long road to get to that point in American history. And when you open this book, it is just a lot of um, going through history 
and celebrating the triumphs of African Americans and also recognizing just the incredible hardship and uh, just the horrible history that America has um, with slavery and um, the intense fighting that African Americans needed to do to get equal rights. And it's every time I read this book, I cry because it's just so the words are so touching. And then you look at the illustrations and Kadir Nelson is just a magician with faces. And there are just so many emotions that you can see in the faces of the people that he depicts. And there are some spreads that are just... I won't ruin it for those of you who haven't seen it yet, but there are some spreads that you open and it's just like the breath goes right out of you because it's so, um, it's just like you're, you've been punched in the stomach and it's a gorgeous book. I think it should belong in every person's home library, in every library in the whole world. It's just a really lovely book. That's beautiful. Um, the the impact of the art is is so powerful alongside Kwame's words. Mm-hmm. The next book I want to share is When We Were Alone by David A. Robertson, illustrated by Julie Flett. It's published by Highwater Press. And this is a book about um, residential schools. Um, it is a, a daughter or a, a granddaughter talking to her grandmother about about why she is the way she is. Why do you wear such beautifully colored dresses? Why do you wear your hair long? Why do you speak in this language to our uncle? And she recounts these stories of when I was your age in my community, um, my friends and I wore different colors, but when we went to this school, we all had to wear the same color. We weren't allowed to wear different colors. Um, we had to be all like the same storm cloud. Um, because this is what the people made us do. And so as an, uh, it also talks though about when I was a child, there would be these moments when we would sneak away and bring color to us or bring language to us. And now as an adult, um, I won't allow anyone to take that color away from me or to take my long hair away or to take my language away. Uh, it, it's multi-generational. Uh, it's, it's, beautiful in the way that it's a conversation between grandmother Nokum and her uh, granddaughter. And, um, and it, it just is a book that uh, is unlike any experience I've had, but is absolutely an experience that the individuals in America have also lived through our indigenous uh, brothers and sisters. Um, we had residential schools in America and um, it is not a part of our history that we talk about very much, but it is um, something that through this picture book, I feel uh, you can talk about with children as young as kindergarten through really any age. This is one of those picture books that could be read in high school and serve those readers uh, just as well, too. Uh, so an important uh, and, and beautifully executed picture book, When We Were Alone. All right. So my next pick is another picture book. It's published by Lian Lo. It's called Galapagos Girl by Marsha Diane Arnold, illustrated by Angela Dominguez. 
And Angela has such a beautiful way of illustrating. It's so fun. She uses such vibrant colors. There's so much energy in her characters. And it's about a girl named Valentina who lives on um, the Galapagos Islands. And she's just observing the world around her and really passionate about the island and about all the beautiful nature that she's surrounded um, by every day. It's a book that's um, written in both Spanish and English, so it's really great um, and accessible um, for the bo- for the two languages. And it's based, or I guess, inspired by the childhood of a girl named Valentina Cruz, who was one of the first permanent inhabitants of the Galapagos. And Valentina, when she grew up, became a biologist and naturalist. And I think Angela just brings so much vibrancy to her life. It's a really fun book, and I think it teaches a lot about nature, respecting the natural world, and about people who find their passion and really run with it. Great. And I have two picture books before we move on to middle grade. Um, the, uh, the first is another from Highwater Press. It's called Awasis and the world-famous Bannock. It's written by Dallas Hunt and illustrated by Amanda Strong. And this is sort of a sort of a little red hen story about a girl that is setting off in the woods um, to find all of the ingredients she needs for grandma to make her world-famous bannock. Um, uh, she encounters animals along the way. And um, um, because, well, I should say rather she has all the ingredients she needs on her way to her grandmother's, but, but, um, um, but she loses the bannock when um, she falls over some rocks, it goes into the bridge. She loses all the bannock. We need to make more bannock. And different um, animals in the forest come along and say, well, I don't have bannock, but I do have this item, or I do have that item, which ends up being an ingredient to make the bannock. Um, the uh, book is is uh, incorporating Cree language, uh, and it's done so in a way that, uh, well, there is a pronunciation guide in the back, as well, but it's done so in a way that I think you can pick up some of the words, some of the language, because it repeats. Um, when Oasis uh, first meets an animal, she meets duck, um, which is Sisip. And it says, just then Sisip waddled by and noticed Oasis crying, Tansi, Nitotem, Sisip quacked, what's the matter? And we see language presented that way in mm. the Cree and then sort of repeated in English, translated into English. Um, and uh, I found uh, not only that I really enjoyed this book, it was so lighthearted and fun, um, but also I was picking up language as I read. It also took me out of myself because there is a lot of Cree language and I wanted to make sure that I pronounced the phrasing correctly. So I kept my finger in the back at the pronunciation guide throughout. Um, but the illustrations are really fun. It's clearly written for a young audience. Um, the playful language um, stays um, along that journey with Awasis. And, uh, I, I don't know. It just, it just makes me smile because it was such a, such a fun story that felt similar to other stories I heard growing up, but with, a, a, a different cultural focus that, um, I don't know, made my senses more alive. I liked it. And the second book I wanted to share, um, similarly with an experience that is not my own, um, is a book called When Aiden Became a Brother by Kyle Lukoff, illustrated by Kilani Juanita. Um, this is from Lee and Lowe, and it is about a trans boy named Aiden um, who recounts the experience of, of being born 
a girl and not feeling like that is uh, the identity that Aiden wanted to identify with. And now Aiden is about to welcome uh, a baby into his family, and he wants to make sure that there's space for that baby to identify the way that they feel most comfortable. So uh, it's sort of a, a story of passing on knowledge, but also a testament to parents listening to their children and helping make that space for children to ask questions and to um, to to be able to identify the way that they feel most comfortable. The illustrations are gorgeous. Keilani Juanita has done a beautiful, beautiful job. And Kyle's story uh, just just is inviting in and playful and makes space for all of the readers, no matter how they choose to identify. Great. Okay, so we're running out of time, of course. So um, I'll just go quickly through a couple of middle grade picks. The first one is The Last Last Day of Summer by Lamar Giles. It's published by HMH's Versify. And this book is super fun. It's um, The Last Day of Summer and uh, two cousins who live with their uh, grandmother in Virginia are sort of thinking about what they want to do for their last day of summer. And they are, they live in this sort of zany town Um and for example, there's there's only like three stoplights in the town right next to it, and the only reason that's that there's three instead of two is because it was like a buy to get one free deal. So they have like this extra stoplight, and they put it in the <laughs> <laughs> they put it in the playground because uh, you know like right between the slide and the swings or something um, to moderate the traffic between those two apparatuses. Um, so you like get an idea that this town is a little strange but funny, and um, as they're out and about on this last day of summer, they meet this guy, um, Mr. Flux, who has this sort of camera with him and encourages the boys to take a photo with it. But apparently when you take a photo, you freeze time. So that's what happens. And <laughs> if you want to see, if you want to know what happens for the rest of the book, just take a look at it. It's, it's super, super fun lighthearted book and the cover is really funny um see the two boys on these bikes and there's this robot chasing them and octopus legs coming out of mirrors and pigeons all over the place so it's just like a nice lighthearted funny book um the next book is ahimsa by sapria kelker it's um published by lian Lowe. And this is an amazing book. It's about 10-year-old Anjali who lives in India in the um, 1940s. And the British have occupied India um, that point for about 80 years. And um, Mahatma Gandhi, Gandhi is sort of gathering people up to fight for independence. And he's asking every household to give one person in the household to the cause to sort of spin fabric and sort of get their independence back so they're not reliant on the British government anymore. And so the mom is the one who goes uh, and volunteers for this movement. And then the mom gets jailed. And then Anjali, it's sort of up to Anjali to take up that role. And it's a beautifully written book. It's so interesting. I learned a lot about India and about 
the colonization of Britain and the movement toward independence. So highly recommended. Wonderful. The, the last two I'll share skew a little bit more toward young adult, but because we do have older readers, I want to make sure that we include them. And they're also just outstanding books. So they're, they're absolutely worth mentioning. Um, the first I'll say uh, is called Trans Plus, Love, Sex, Romance, and Being You. It's written by Karen Rain and um, Catherine Gonzalez. It's illustrated. Uh, there's some spot illustrations by Anne Pashier and uh, Nick Rain. The book comes from Imagination Press, and uh, Trans Plus, Love, Sex, Romance, and Being You is an all-inclusive, uncensored guide for teens who are transgender, non-binary, gender non-conforming, gender fluid, queer, or questioning their sexual and gender identity. Trans Plus answers all of your questions easy and hard about gender and covers mental health, physical health and reproduction, transitioning, relationships, sex, and life as a queer individual. It's full of essential information that you need and want to know and includes real-life stories from teens like you, the expected list, the expected reader. I was so impressed by this book. It actually comes out at the end of the month, the uh, uh, end of August. But um, I've been looking at an arc for some time and leafing through it. And I'm so impressed that this uh, resource is available for those individuals that are questioning, that are unsure, that that don't know the way, but are looking for for. Uh, a guidance that are looking for a light to shine the way through. Um, this resource is going to be really important, and I, I hope that librarians will grab hold of it and will help make it available to those uh, teens and and potentially preteens that that have those questions and and want to hear from own voices uh, a way forward. And the second book I want to share is called This Place, 150 Years Retold. It's edited by Alicia Elliott. It's published by Highwater Press. And I've mentioned it on here before. It's a graphic novel anthology of um, the indigenous history of Canada. And the final story actually is Indigenous Futurism. Uh, I, I thought it was a really powerful way to experience history. It's a really wonderful book to pair um, Karina with the book we mentioned at the top of the podcast with the indigenous people's history of the United States. Um, and, and um, it's sort of taking on micro stories for the most part, individuals throughout mm, um, yeah. Canada's history, but it does so in the graphic novel format and it does so really, really powerfully. We went a little bit over time, um, but we thank you listeners for, for joining us on this and for hearing so many great books. And there are many more for you to discover. As we mentioned, show notes can be found at bookriot.com slash listen. And I do hope that you go and explore those links and uh, find out about more books and more publishers that are doing uh, this great work for our readers. Thank you for joining us. As always, we would love your feedback on this podcast and always appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts. When you do that, you can also help other people find us. You can find me, Karina Yan Glazer, on Twitter at Karina Yan Glazer and on Instagram at Karina is reading and writing. And you can find me, Matthew Winner, on Twitter at, at Matthew Winner. If you have a story idea, reach out to us on social media or email us at kidlitthesedays at bookriot.com. We would love to hear what you're thinking about and what you would like to see on the show. May your coming days be storied and may those good stories keep on coming. <laughs>